Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey, uh, we are in for a treat this morning. I have just loved preparing this series of messages that we've entitled Crown With Goodness. Essentially, I was just telling Dan, who drove me to Semaphore and back today, I was just saying, essentially, this is kind of like a, a signature theme, a signature message for me. This is, this is something that I, I, it's not a preach for me, it's something that I, I live. I believe that God wants to crown your head this year with His goodness. And uh, we've themed the year Crown with Goodness, and it's based upon Psalm 65, verse 11. And it says, You crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. Isn't that good news? Father, I pray right now that you would anoint the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the work of my hands, that you would so present yourself amongst us, that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we might have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that we might know you better. Everyone say, know him better. That's the goal this morning, that we might know Him better. If you're a believer and have been a believer for many years, my prayer for you is that you might know Him better. Maybe you're visiting for the very first time. You're, not, you're new to Christianity. You're new to church. You wouldn't even consider yourself a Christian. Hey, welcome. But my prayer for you is that you would get to know this Jesus that we're talking about and you get to know Him better. We ask that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Thanks, Fee. Almost 24 years since we first did this. On the 27th of this month, marks 24 years that I stood with 12 people and it was Fee on a keyboard. It was our very first service. It looked like this, me and you. Just like this, me and you, 24 years ago. It looked a little bit different, but it was, just, it was me and you, which is kind of cool. 24 years, flipping heck. A lot could happen that time. So good. God is good. That your paths may drip with abundance. The King James Version says fatness. I love that. I'm going to say it all series. Fatness. This is a year where we have permission to get fat for Jesus, which is really cool. Jess, you're well behind the eight ball right now. You're just like, you're you're really way off mark. Anyway, and uh, I, I believe with all my heart that this is going to be an abundant year for us. A fat year. And as I said last week, 2018, fat is bad, lean is good. But in Bible terms, fat is good and lean is bad. You did not want a lean crop in Bible times. You don't want a lean crop any time. You want a fat crop. You want an abundant crop. And so this word fat applies to prosperity, wealth and blessing. And I believe that God is wanting to do that for us this year. And I believe the premise for me talking about this is not based upon my goodness, but it's based upon His goodness. It's not hype. It's not me just trying to talk things up and whip things into a frenzy. No, this is based upon the goodness of God. And that's why this series is so important. Because if we're going to experience a year that is crowned with His goodness, we have to first understand that God is a good God and He does good things. Last week we spoke about that, that God is good. And today I want to drill down and take it a little bit further and say not only is God good, but God does good. 
subtitle for week two is God does good. In other words, God is good and he does good. If God is good, it is fair to say and fair to assume that he does good things. Wouldn't that be fair to say? If we understand that God is good, if we intrinsically, foundationally know like we know like we know that God is good and he's for us and he loves us, then we would only, it would only be right to expect that he does good things, things that are for us. Are you with me? And so it's so important that we understand that God is firstly a good God. And he has been good from the very beginning of time. From the very beginning of time, God has been doing good things. The very first verse in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, simply says this, In the beginning, God. You need to underline those four words and you need to commit them to memory. And whenever you're having a tough time, remember these four words. In the beginning, God. Thank God it does not say in the beginning JJ, we would be in trouble. <laughs> or in the beginning Jordan, or in the beginning Jesse, or any other J for that matter, you're all the J kind of corner over there. In the beginning, God. In other words, God was there before you. God was there before me. And from the very conception of creation, God was there working things for the good. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was. Don't you love that? God just speaks and there was. There's no sweat. There's no struggle. There just speaks. And he says, let there be light. And there was. And the result it's found in verse three, and it says, verse four, sorry, and it says, God saw the light was good. Everyone say good. So God creates, and what he creates was good. What he did in the beginning was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And get this. Verse five says, God called the light day. Isn't that good to know? That what God started in the beginning still continues today. What do we call light today? Day. So all those years ago, in the beginning, when God called light day, it's still the same today. Because when God does something in the beginning, it sustains all time and eternity. Unlike you and I, who make New Year's resolution on January 1, I will not. By January 2, we already have. God is not like us in that way. He says in the beginning it shall be this way and here we are thousands of years later and it's exactly the same. We still call light day. This is daytime. And then he's a, he's, a, he's a mind blower. He says, and the darkness he called night. What do we call darkness? The same thing, night. All these years later, what God created in the beginning still stands. And he called the day good. And he called the night good. And everything he creates on day one was good. And day two, three, four, five, and six, it was good. And on the seventh day, he could rest knowing that all that he created was good. God is good. Therefore, God does good. And he's been doing good from the very beginning of time. Amen? Is this good news? God is good and therefore he does good. Having said that, the goodness of God is often called into question. In actual fact, as we learned last week, it's one of the very first attributes of God that was attacked in human history. The very first human beings, Adam and Eve, called into question the goodness of God. 
See, the devil did not try to convince Adam and Eve that God didn't exist. He was aware that they knew God existed. He didn't try to convince them that he didn't exist. He tried to convince them that God was not good. And so there was this fateful day where the devil said, did God really say? Trying to put question and doubt. And he says, you will not die. Essentially, the devil was calling God a liar. And if you're a liar, that's not good. So he was calling to question the goodness of God. He says, you won't die. In actual fact, if you eat from the fruit of this tree, you'll become like God. And God doesn't want you to be like him because he's insecure. The devil is calling into question the goodness of God, saying that he's a liar and he's insecure. He doesn't try to convince them that God doesn't exist. He tries to convince them that God isn't good. And I want to tell you that strategy is the same strategy he uses today. He wants to convince you that God is not good, that he's not for you, that he doesn't have your best interest at heart. And it's a strategy that's been working ever since the beginning of time. The reason the devil doesn't have to come up with new strategies is because the old ones work really, really well. The devil wants to isolate and separate you and make you feel like nobody loves you, everybody hates you, and you want to go and eat worms. That's the devil's strategy from day one. And who knows, maybe there was a worm in that apple that day. Who knows? But God is a good God and he is for you. When you fail to understand the goodness of God, we fail to appreciate the good things he does. Would that be fair to say? If we don't understand God is good, we'll fail to see the good things that he does. And one of the greatest arguments that is presented against the goodness of God today is this. And maybe some of you have heard it and maybe some of you have even said it. And this argument goes way back to the first human beings, Adam and Eve. It's the same principle. And it goes like this. If God is such a good God, why do bad things happen? You've probably said it or you've at least heard it. And what it is, it's a strategy from the enemy to call into question the goodness of God. If God's good, why do bad things happen? And I believe that is a very valid question. And as Christians, we cannot afford to kiss our brains goodbye. We can actually use our brain. God gave it to us. Let's use it. Christians, can we please use our brain? Write that down, some of you. 2018, the year where I use my brain. Because it is a valid question. It's a great question. If bad things happen, uh, sorry, if, good thing, if God's a good God, why do bad things happen? I think it's a very valid question that has some very valid answers. And two things I just want to highlight very quickly is this. We need to remember a couple of things. One, that we live in a fallen world. In other words, this world is not as it should be. Because of Adam's and Eve's sin, the world as we know it has never been right. It's never been according to God's good, perfect and pleasing will. Thank God for his plan of salvation. Thank God he's never left us. Thank God he's always been there. But creation as we know it was changed that fateful day when Adam and Eve sinned. We live in the consequence of other people's sin. In my job, I've had the privilege of travelling around the globe and I travelled prior to 9-11 and I have travelled since 9-11. And I want to tell you that 9-11 changed air travel forever. By today's security standard, what took place before 9-11 was very basic. But since 9-11, everything has been heightened. And if you're anything like me and you struggle with patience, anyone out there who struggles with patience, 
It's one of the banes of my existence is going to an airport where you have to get there early. You have to hurry to get there early to wait. Oh, I hate that. You've got to get there two hours before. So you rush to get there two hours before. You get your bags in and then you wait. I hate that. It never used to be like that. Anyone like that with me? No. I, I don't like that. I'm an impatient person by nature and the thought of having to get to airports early and stand in long lines just to wait some more is frustrating. And it's really easy in that moment to take out the frustration on the airline or the airport staff. But they are not to blame. See, that's the consequence of an action that took place on 9-11. The real enemy is terrorism, not the airports. They're just trying to help us. And so they say, get there earlier so that we can check everybody so that this doesn't happen again. In other words, things are slowed down because they care and they're trying to help us. God does the same thing. He slows things down because he cares and he's trying to help us. And, and, and when we blame God for all the bad things that happen, it's like us blaming the airport for the bad things that happened in 9-11. It wasn't the airport's fault. It was the terrorists who changed air travel forever. And Adam and Eve changed the world as it was then to the effect that the Bible says that even creation groans at the weight of sin. Nothing that we see is as God originally intended because we live in a fallen world. Why do bad things happen? Firstly, we live in a fallen world. Secondly, we make bad choices. Some of the bad things that happen are the consequence of other people's sin and some are the consequence of our own sin. You see, one of the greatest gifts God ever gave to us is the gift of free will. It's what separates us from every other form of creation. It's what separates us from the animal kingdom. We have the ability to choose right from wrong. God loved us so much, He gave us free will. In other words, He didn't want robots. He didn't want Lisa Gulgarici saying, I love you, Lord, you are amazing. Devil not today. No, no, devil not today. <laughs> what kind of God would make us as human beings and then make us love him? That's not good. God loves us so much. He gives us freedom to choose him or reject him. That's secure. If you made something or someone, you would make it to serve you. If you can make a robot, you'd say, serve me, wait on me, I'll never do dishes again, I'll never do this again, I'll take, you know, I know, I know what the robot would do if it was Mitchie's robot. It would do the washing, it would do the dishwasher, it would take out the bin, it would make his bed, it would just, you know, it would serve him. He certainly wouldn't give it free choice. Imagine the robot Mitchie makes, is I will help your sister. No! Help me! One of the greatest evidence to the goodness of God is that He gives us free will. We can choose Him and we can reject Him. We can say we want God or we don't. See, God, contrary to popular belief, does not send people to hell, eternal damnation. We choose it. He lets us choose. Do you want me or don't you want me? And there's a name if you want me. It's called heaven. And if you don't, it's called hell. But the choice is yours. God doesn't send you to hell. We choose heaven or we choose hell. It's up to us. Such is the goodness of our God. He gives us free will. And this free will means we can choose good or we can choose bad. We can choose right or we can choose wrong. 
And this is what I know about human nature. How many times do we choose right from wrong? And how many times we choose wrong from right? It's probably 50-50, huh? Maybe some of you, it's a bit more than that. Who knows? But we have the opportunity. And so we can't make a bad choice and then blame God. Why do bad things happen? I think God would say, well, we live in a fallen world and you made a dumb choice. I mean, why does God get the bad rap? Can you imagine if Dan McGore says to me, hey, how do I get to Melbourne? And I say, well, you need to do this, this and this. In actual fact, here's a map. Just follow the map. It's an instruction manual to tell you how to get from here to there. And he being the young male that he is, says, oh, I don't need that. And starts driving. And ends up in Darwin, which is very likely... <laughs> Your sense of direction is not very good. In actual fact, it's not likely, it's more than likely. It's very, very, very probable that you'd end up somewhere other than Melbourne. And you imagine Dan in hot, sweaty Darwin saying, oh, Tony, and starts blaming me when he hasn't done a thing with what I gave him. God gave us an instruction manual for life called the Bible. And you can read it or you can choose not to read it. But don't blame God if you don't do a thing that's in the Bible and then your life doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to. It's free will. And God lovingly lets us make that choice and He watches us go to Darwin when actually we're meant to be going to Melbourne. Are you following this? So if God is so good, why do bad things happen? Well, we live in a fallen world. We live in the consequence of other people's sin. And we make bad choices. We live in the consequence of our own sin. That alone accounts for so much of the bad that we experience indirectly and directly. And so on that foundation then, let me just highlight four things today to encourage us about the goodness of God. How does that sound? Four things about the goodness of God. Number one, God's goodness goes beyond our prejudice. God's goodness goes beyond our prejudice. Though we live in a world full of sin and full of sinners, God continues to do good. And He not only continues to do good, He continues to do good to all people, not just the Christian community. He blesses all of us. See, God is good to all. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, see, Jesus always took the Old Testament, saw it, and then raised it. I know some of you card sharks out there know what I'm on about. You see it, and then you raise it. Jesus said, you've heard it said, Old Testament, you can love your friends and hate your enemies, but I tell you something different. I tell you, I want you to live at a higher order. You're free under the new covenant. We don't live under the law, but we are free. But this freedom comes with greater expectation. Under the law, you could love your friends and hate your enemies. But in this new dispensation of grace, I want you to love your friends and I want you to love your enemies. That's what Jesus said. He takes the law, sees it and raises it, but gives us a power to be able to implement it, which was lacking under the law. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that there may be children of your father, sorry, that you may be children of your father in heaven. And this is the bit I want you to get. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Why do good things happen to bad people? Because God is good. God is good. Have you ever noticed that if you do something that's bad, God continues to be good? So you might kick the cat or, or you might have said something you regret or you may be living in unforgiveness and yet the sun still comes up. The sun coming up or going down is not dependent on you and your goodness. Thank God for that because we would not see the sun for a long, long time. Would we, Andre? No. You wouldn't. Living in darkness. I mean, we all, we all, we'd all be living in darkness. But God says, whether you want to be stupid or not, make right decisions or wrong decisions, I'm going to continue to be good. I'm the rising of the sun to the going down. The Lord's name. He's good. Even when we do bad things, He continues to be good. And if we're honest, I believe that one of the main reasons we fail to see the goodness of God is because quite often we don't like who he's good to. If you're such a good God, why are you blessing him, Lord? I'm struggling. And this, this concept is not new. David struggled with this. Why is it you bless the unrighteous? I'm struggling here. It's not new. But it does highlight that God is good. He's so good. He's no respecter of persons. And his goodness goes beyond your prejudice. It goes beyond our pettiness. It goes beyond our small thinking. God is good and he's good to all. And so my advice to us as a church is deal with it. Amen. Secondly, God's goodness goes beyond our awareness. See, God's goodness to us is often unseen. God in his goodness does many things that we're not even aware of. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitalities to angels without even knowing it. If there's one thing I'm convinced of, when we get to heaven, God's going to show us a reel of our life. And he's going to show us all the things he did for us behind the scenes that we were unaware of. And we didn't thank him because we didn't even know he did it. Amy Grant used to sing this incredible song. Remember Amy Grant? There must be some Amy Grant lovers out there. This is, yeah. I went to an Amy Grant concert back in the late 80s at the Apollo Entertainment Centre, which doesn't even exist anymore. She came down off stage and gave me a kiss. Which I don't know if that helps my cause or hinders my cause this morning, but I'm just, it's just a fact. She did. She's only human, couldn't resist. It's, it's just, it is what it is. In actual fact, I felt she never recovered. She never really sang good after that. She just kind of just, she just struggled. She was kind of mesmerized. I don't know. But anyway, but she had this one line in one of her songs. She says, near misses all around me. I never forget that one line, near misses all around me. And I just wonder how many near misses we've had in the last week. I wonder how many bad things could have happened to us if it were not for the goodness of God. I wonder how many angels in heaven today on crutches because they just happened to get between you, that car and that wall. I just wonder where these angels and, and, and God's goodness is not just keeping us safe. In actual fact, one of the greatest signs of God's goodness is that every uh, baby boy gets to the age of 10. 
Seriously, you think of boys. I mean, girls are bad enough, but boys are a nightmare with their adventure-like nature. They're into everything. They climb. I mean, I mean, honestly, every baby boy should not make the age of 10. They're just crazy. Seriously, I think the first half an hour of my movie is going to be all the things that happen from the age of zero to 10. Well, I almost died. Johnny knows what I'm on about. He said, yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. Boys are crazy. So if you want to know the goodness of God, just look at a male over 10 and say, yep, yeah, God is good. God is good. Kept us alive, sustaining us. And we don't even know about it. I remember hearing this story a number of years ago now. And it's about a young lady who was walking in the middle of the night by herself. And she saw this shady character uh, walking towards her. She obviously got very scared and, and kind of put her head down and walked faster, managed to walk past him, and, and nothing happened of a bad nature. But that same night, that same man went on to rape and attack another young lady. And the young lady that walked past untouched was called to the courtroom to be an eyewitness to say, this is the man that I saw on the same night only a few moments earlier. And so she gave her witness and said, yep, this is the man but after the court hearing, she was able to catch up with the man and ask him this one question. Why did you attack her and not me? And he was confused and said, why would I attack you with those three guys around you? And there was no one around her. But she saw, so that man saw, the goodness and the protection of God and she wasn't even aware of it. Reminds me of a story of a young man that was fearful for his life and Elijah the prophet says, open his eyes, show him who's on the winning side and his eyes were open, he started seeing all these angels around and there was more angels than there were the enemy. You don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. In actual fact, God is doing more behind our back than He's doing in front of our face. And so we can declare that God is good and often that goodness is unseen and unknown and unnoticed. And we need to remember that, that God is good even if we don't see it. He's good. So He's good and His goodness goes beyond our prejudice. It goes beyond our awareness. And it also goes beyond our gratefulness. See, God has done and is doing many good things. But if we're honest with ourselves, and can I ask us, church, for a moment, please, can we get honest? I mean, if you can't get honest in church, where can you get honest? If we're honest with ourselves, we tend to take God for granted. Would that be fair to say? God's done incredibly good things, but we take Him for granted. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God speaks to Moses and the Israelites who had spent some 40 years walking in the wilderness and now we're about to step into the promised land. And this is the advice that was given. When you have eaten and you are satisfied, did anyone eat this morning and find themselves satisfied with what they ate? Well, he's talking to us then. He says, when you've eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. We live in a good land. We've eaten and we're satisfied. Have we praised the Lord for it? He says, be careful that you do not forget. And here's the key word, forget. This is what we tend to do. We tend to forget the goodness of God. And when we forget the goodness of God, it's hard to thank Him for the goodness because we no longer see it. Why? Because we've been blinded because of our forgetfulness. Failing to observe His commands, His laws and His decrees that I'm giving you this day. You know, there's a lot of 
argument as to why people no longer go to church. But can I say, at the core of it, it comes down to this, that we've forgotten. For us to truly say no to church or pick and choose when we come and don't set aside uh, a certain time of every week to get together with other believers to thank God, just says we've forgotten something. I think it's a reminder to us that we've forgotten just how good God is. See, see, to me, it's not you should come to church because I'm the pastor and I get upset or uh, offended if you don't turn up. No, no, it, it, it should be telling something about yourself. When, when the offering bucket goes by and we no longer think we should give, it tells me something. that we, we, we've, we've forgotten something about the goodness of God, all that he gave us. And this was the challenge to the Israelites. Hey, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, but please don't forget. Don't forget me. Don't forget the disciplines. And if we're honest, that's what we tend to do. And when we forget God, we forget and fail to see his goodness. But his goodness is all around us. I just mentioned this morning, the sun came up. You know, we've been having a little bit of heat lately. Some of you have been complaining about that, but who got it and said, ah, oh, thank you, Lord, for the cool change? Who honestly said, thank you for the cool change? See, I, I have a theory about this. You can complain about the heat, or you can complain about the cold, but you can't complain about both. If you complain about the cold like I do, that means you just prefer heat. But if you complain about both, you're just a whinger. <laughs> but even as a person who, who loves the heat, I've got to admit, I did appreciate the cool change. I said to Kelsey, wow, it's a lot cooler today. Thank you, Lord, for the cool change. Did you thank God just for the sunrise and the gift of a brand new day? The fact that you have air to breathe. The reason we don't thank God for the air that we breathe is because we've got to the place in our life we expect it to be there. And it doesn't have to be there. It doesn't have to be there. One of the problems they say about millennials is that they have an entitlement spirit, that they just feel very entitled and they expect certain things. You know what? I think that is true. But I don't think it's reserved just for millennials. I think we're all guilty of that. We just expect God to do certain things because I'm here. And God doesn't have to. When's the last time we thanked him just for the air we breathe, the, the nation we live in, the health we have, your family? This is, this is not to mention Jesus, the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation to us. There's so much to be thankful for. Honestly, I, I truly believe that for us to have a year that is crowning God's goodness, it simply comes out of this, putting these into practice every day this year. If for the next 365 days, we just thank God for what we know about and then put a little PS and God, and by the way, thank you, Father, for the sun rising. Thank you for the air that we breathe. I want to thank you for this uh, incredible nation of Australia that we live in. I want to thank you for my wife, the wife of my youth who I celebrated 26 years with just this week. I want to thank you for the three children that we have. I want to thank you for my, yeah, even my dog, Lord. I want to thank you for my dog. And I want to thank you for the place in which we live. I want to thank you for the car that I drive. I want to thank you for all those things. PS. And for everything else I don't know about, all the near misses all around me, I want to thank you for that too. If we did that every day this year, I guarantee that this year would indeed be a year crowned with goodness. But if we're just going to be bitter, cynical, complaining about what God hasn't got, complaining that God's blessing others and not you, we will not experience the year crowned with God's favour. But if we put this in as a discipline this year, I'm telling you, it'll change our life forever. God is good. 
God's goodness goes beyond our gratefulness. And lastly, God's goodness goes beyond our happiness. It goes beyond our prejudice. It goes beyond our awareness. It goes beyond our gratefulness. And it also goes beyond our happiness. See, our failure to understand the goodness of God is often seen in our failure to truly understand what is good for us. When I was much younger, I remember many times my dad saying these words to me. You'll thank me for this one day. Anyone ever got with that being prophesied over you? Well, if you fast forward my life 30 years, you hear the same thing coming out of my mouth. I look at our kids and say, you'll thank me for this one day. And I think, where did my dad get in the room? I mean, like, what happened? And we're going to talk more about that next week, some of the things God gives that are good. We'll talk about more of that, uh, that next week. But I think one of the reasons we fail to see the goodness of God is because we fail to understand what is truly good for us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Paul says this, We know that all things work together for good. Everyone say good. For those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. I love that. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. I was taught at Bible college that context brings meaning. In order to get the context and mean, sorry, in order to get the meaning of this verse, we need to understand the context. And Paul was writing to the church in Rome that were experiencing incredible suffering, persecution. Paul himself was a man who had experienced incredible suffering and persecution. He'd had many near-death experiences. He'd been stoned, beaten, shipwrecked, flogged countless times. And yet he talked about all things working together for the good. See, the theme of this portion of Scripture is about transformation, not our triumph. It's about transformation, not our happiness. Paul is not talking in the context of your comfort zone. He's talking about us being transformed. Transformation can be tough, but here's what I want you to remember Paul's saying when you're going through transformation. He says three things. There's a band come up, that'd be fantastic. First thing he says this, he says, remember, when you're going through the work of transformation, God is at work. Remember when you go past a construction site and you see that sign, men at work. Do you know what that sign means? It means exactly that. There are men who are working. In other words, the men who are working aren't finished their job yet. That's what it means, men at work. You see, above every one of our heads is an invisible sign, and it says this, God at work. So you're not finished, you're at work in motion. God's at work in me. God's at work in Sam. God's at work in Beck and Johnny and Steph. He's at work, he's not finished. When I was a sign writer and I'd mastered my craft and I managed to have my own business and my fingerprint was all over the city of Adelaide. I loved doing signs and, and driving past saying, I did that, I did that, I did that. But at Christmas time in particular, it was a time for the sales. And remember my age, I was kind of a you know, child of the 80s and early 90s and in the early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, fluorescent paint was king. 
everyone wanted something fluorescent. And I would put all these windows on display with the specials that were on offer in those shops. But in order to make the fluorescent bright and stand out, you had to put an undercoat first. You had to put white paint first because the fluorescent by itself on the glass never stood out, which is something the owners of the businesses never understood. And so as I would be painting, putting the white undercoat on, I, I knew what was coming. I knew what was coming. If I was working with someone, I'd say, watch this, they'll run out any time now. And they're going to say, I didn't want a white. I wanted it fluorescent. To which I would say, yeah, and I ain't finished yet. Man at work. And I'd have to explain, you want it to stand out, it's got to have an undercoat. And P.S., when this coat's dried, I'm going to give it a second coat of white so it's really bright, okay? So please don't come out when I'm second coating the white thinking I didn't want... Got it? I do it all the time. If I had a dollar for every time I said that, I wouldn't have even had to be a sign I would have made enough money just doing that. <laughs> and every trader knows that. They come out, Johnny, I didn't want... I'm not finished. Just let me finish. Put a nice screed on... I want the pebbles to stand out. Yeah, but I'm not, fin I'm not finished. And I feel like God is saying that to us. Just, God, why is this happening? I'm not finished with you. I'm not finished with you. God at work, Paul says. And he says, God is bringing it all together. Who loves cake in this place? Come on, be honest. You love cake. Look at all the young hands. Oh, yeah. They put up their hand hoping to get something. I love that. Us older, more cynical ones, like, where's he going with this? They're like, give me cake. You know what? The amazing is most of us would like cake. But if you take the individual ingredients, most of us wouldn't like the individual ingredients by themselves. I don't hear too many people saying, oh, I fancy some bicarb soda. Oh, I could really do with me some flour. Just give me some flour. There's a... And yeah, those things are in cake. I mean, granted, there is one ingredient we all love, and that's sugar, but you know of which I was you know, guilty of getting up early in the morning as a kid and, and, and eating the sugar straight out of the bowl. I did used to do that. But, but with the exception of sugar, most ingredients you wouldn't even like by themselves. It's only as we put them all together. It's only as the master chef or the master mum puts all the ingredients together and puts it in the oven and lets the heat rise the cake so, wow, that's beautiful. But it's made up of lots of yucky ingredients. Remember, God's at work in your life and He's putting all things together. That bad experience, that bitter experience, that experience of betrayal, yeah, yeah, He's going to put it all together. And you're going to come out looking like Christ. God is good. He goes on to say, it's God's good. See, we have to remember, when we talk about the goodness of God, we talk about God's goodness, not our goodness. It's not our definition of goodness. It's God's definition of goodness. And when we're struggling with the transformation process, we need to understand that our definition of good needs to be right. See, for most of us, good equals health, happiness, good relationships, long life, nice job, nice house. But God's not committed to your happiness. He's committed to your Christ-likeness. And whatever it takes to make you more like Christ, He'll bring. He'll bring in good measure, pressed down, shaken together. 
And what makes Jesus Jesus is that he knew how to suffer. So if you experience a bit of suffering, know this. He's making you more like Christ. If there's someone who's close to you and betrayed you, know this. Jesus experienced that. He wants to make you more like Christ. And so to expect to be more like Christ but never experience suffering and betrayal, hardship, it wouldn't be good. God wants to make you like God, so He's got to give you some things that He experienced. The goal is not our happiness. The goal is becoming more like Jesus. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 